So we're on the series, uh, The Cross, and um, in, the, in the first week uh, here, two weeks ago, uh, Bob spoke, and he, and he kind of did an introduction, and some of the things he said there is, what does the cross mean in my daily relationship and life with God? And that's the purpose of this series, is to look at it, to not just see it as an object that hangs in a church. It's not just a piece of jewelry that we wear. It's not something that we refer to periodically, but it's something of looking at how does this affect my daily life and the way I carry myself and the way I, I walk. He also said to understand Jesus, we must understand the cross. You know, other, otherwise, Jesus is just a, a wise teacher. You take, a, you take away the cross and you have someone that said a lot of good things, walked around and, and, and loved on some people, uh, challenged us to be better people. But the power is in the cross and what he did there. There's a lot of people who've walked the world and shared good things. They've had good quotes. They've written good books. They've, they've had done a lot of good deeds. The difference is in the power, and that, that's found in the cross. Then uh, last week, he talked about Caiaphas, Pontius Pilate, Judas, and me. And looking at those three, and you know, it's interesting, a lot of times when we, re when we read the Bible, it can be, the majority of us, it can be our tendency to, uh, to kind of to, to identify with maybe uh, certain characters in the Bible. And uh, I, I don't think, I can say that I don't really read... Um, Say the, the, in the Gospels where it's talking about uh, uh, Jesus and, and, and his trial and that. And I don't like start reading and think, man, I am just like Caiaphas. I mean, he and I are tight. You know, we got this down. Or, um, you know, or man, how much I'm like Pontius Pilate. Or, you know, I, I never, uh, I grew up in a church where we didn't celebrate uh, or do much for Halloween. And they would do like a, you could dress up as a Bible character and that's just, you know, what you could do. And, but I never dressed up like Judas. Um, and I, didn't, I don't think I ever saw another kid come. <laughs> I'm just thinking of what would happen if the kid did. But, <laughs> you know, come, and it's like, who are you? And usually to get in, we had to have a memory verse that went with our character, and we had to have it memorized, and that was like our free token in. And, you know, you know quoting Judas, you know, something we don't, a lot of times we don't identify with that, but the thing is, is there's, there's elements of who they are. And Bob brought that out in talking about uh, uh, the, the pride, looking out for our reputation, talking about the fear of uh, the Jewish leaders that were fearful of Jesus' power. They were fearful of his influence. They were fearful of those things. Talking about the greed of Judas. Well, I got pride. And I got fear, and I got greed. And so we looked at how each one of us has put Jesus on the cross in that way. You know, and, and sometimes those, those areas, they're not always directed. Like, so my pride isn't always directed right at God, or my greed isn't always directed right at God. But here's the deal. It really doesn't matter who it's directed at. Because it gets in the way of his purpose. 
And so even if my greed or my, let's say my, my pride is directed at my wife, it's still directed at God because it gets in the way of the purpose of who he's called me to be and the influence he's asked me to have and the type of man he's asked me to be and the husband he wants me to be to my wife. And so we can get in the way of that. But then just talking about the transformation power of grace and really trying to make a thing. You know, the the idea of going through this series isn't for us just to kind of beat ourselves up and, and just continue week after week just thinking about how crummy we are and the cross. But it's as we acknowledge, acknowledge its power that we come to a place of really respecting it. And that it's not just something we do on the day where we decide to come forward for salvation or pray with someone. But it's something that's on a daily basis. It's, 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 it's how we live our lives to where the, the, there's power in it as we, we come before the cross. And as we allow grace to work through our lives. So this week, we're talking about why the cross. And uh, I'll say this is probably the hardest message I've ever had to prepare. And the reason being is because when you look at why the cross... You have to look at why did God have to send his son? Why? And what was it that had to take place in the cross? But as you look at that, I have to look at myself. And every day that goes on for me, I grew up in the church. And... uh, I used to think, well, no, I mean, I, 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 I'm a good kid, this and that. But the more I go along, the more I see what a Pharisee I was and how I obeyed the letter of the law. But man, I was missing the heart that went behind it. And now what God keeps teaching me is it's not about me checking the boxes and doing that part. It's about my attitude. And at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter if I say I did one thing, if inside I was this. And so we're going to look at this. Um, You know, I want to kind of preface it with this. When when our kids do something um, in our home and uh, periodically not obeying or whatever you want to call it. Um, You know, a lot of times we'll start talking to them about it. But one of the things we try to catch ourselves on is to make sure, Tamar and I, that that we don't say, you are this. So one of them, say we catch one of them lying. We don't say, you are a liar. That's not who they are. They chose to lie. They made a choice. They made a bad action. That's not who they are. And trying to tell them that that, so that that doesn't become their identity and who they, they believe they are. And so today I want to look at something because for us to look at why the cross, we have to kind of look at some of our actions. We have to look at some of the choices we've made. But uh, what I want to say is these are the choices we make. These are the selfish things we do. And this is why the cross. 
But God's grace is sufficient for us. Yeah. And uh, I don't know how many of you guys have ever watched the movie Pollyanna. Any Pollyanna fans out there? Come on, seriously, raise it high. That's it? So when I was a kid, we used to watch, uh, we'd get the Disney Channel for like a month, and then we would, uh, for financial reasons, and we'd record all the shows, different movies, and then we would replay them um, for a couple months, and then we would get another month, and that's kind of how we did it. I don't know if that was illegal back then or not, but we weren't sharing it with anyone, and we didn't sell it, so I think it was fairly legal. But uh, we used to watch the movie Pollyanna all the time. But there's a part in it where they go to church. And uh, the guy is, he's preaching. And he's talking about death cometh unexpectedly. Anybody remember that sermon? And uh, as he's preaching, he's up and his uh, cathedral podium was probably about 100 feet higher than everybody. So they're like looking up like this. But there's a chandelier in the middle of the church. And he's preaching so fervently about death coming unexpectedly that the chandelier's like shaking and stuff. But anyways, I started to feel like that's my message. But no, it's not. <laughs> John 3.16, put that up here. Why the cross? Here in the ESV. For God so loved the world. Why the cross? Because he loves us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Why the cross? Because he loves us. We need to be saved. And so therefore he had to send his son to come down. If we turn on the other one in the message. This is how much God loved the world. That he gave his son. His one and only son. And this is why. So that no one need to be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help to put the world right again. So he came to save us from our destruction. Because you and I, we make destructive choices. We, 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 we make selfish decisions. We react in our own mindset, which is typically self-preservation. What do I need to do for me? What is my, what is my first response when, when I feel threatened, when I feel attacked, when I feel accused? It's self-preservation. And self-preservation becomes selfish because all I'm looking at is myself. So I make actions and I make decisions that way. So there was destruction that he was saving me from. There's a penalty for that that he paid the cost for. And there's also relationship. He's bringing us back into relationship with God. Because God 
so loved the world. He wants relationship with us so badly that he's willing to send his son to pay the penalty to go to jail for me, to pay the fine for me, and to rescue me so that we can get back into that relationship. I want to read um, here out of the message. And I'll just kind of read it. And it says, you're familiar with the command to the ancients, do not murder. I'm telling you that anyone who is so much as angry with a brother or sister is guilty of murder. Carelessly call a brother idiot, and you just might find yourself hauled into court. Thoughtlessly yell stupid at a sister, and you are on the brink of hellfire. The simple moral fact is that words kill. So I can say I've never murdered because I haven't shot somebody, I haven't stabbed somebody, I haven't done something drastic like that. You know what? I'm a murderer. Because I've used my words to kill. I've said a lot of things I shouldn't say. I've responded a lot of ways I shouldn't respond. This is how I want you to conduct yourself in these matters. If you enter your place of worship and about to make an offering, you suddenly remember a grudge a friend has against you. Abandon your offering, leave immediately, go to this friend and make things right. Then and only then come back and work things out with God. Or say you're out on the street and an old enemy accosts you. Don't lose a minute. Make the first move. Make things right with him. After all, if you leave the first move to him, knowing his track record, you're likely to end up in court, maybe even jail. If that happens, you won't get out without a stiff fine. You know the next commandment pretty well, too. Don't go to bed with another spouse. But don't think you've reserved your virtue simply by staying out of bed. Your heart can be corrupted by lust even quicker than your body. Those leering looks you think nobody notices, they're also corrupt. I can say I've never committed adultery. But I have. Because I've allowed my mind to go places it shouldn't go. I've allowed my eyes to look at things they shouldn't look at. Why the cross? Because I can get angry. Why do I need the cross? Because my mind can go where it shouldn't always go. Here's another old saying that deserves a second look. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Is that going to get us anywhere? Here's what I propose. Don't hit back at all. If someone strikes you, stand there and take it. If someone drags you into court and sues for the, uh, for the shirt off your back, gift-wrapped your best coat and make a present of it. And if someone takes unfair advantage of you, use the occasion to practice the servant life. No more tit-for-tat stuff. Live generously. You're familiar with the old written law, love your friend and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that. I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with the energies of prayer. 
For then you are working out of your true selves, your God-created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best, the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless the good and the bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? Anybody can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Any run-of-the-mill sinner does that. In a word, what I'm saying is, grow up. Your kingdom subjects, now live like it. Live out your God-created identity. Live generously and graciously toward others the way God lives towards you. Why the cross? For me, because I'm selfish. Because I do a lot of things that don't line up with who God says I should be. When I was in my early 20s, mid-20s, I, I wrote out um, the Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. Put on a 3 by 5 car and put on my dash. I just decided every day I'm going to try to step in, 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 in step out and be one of, those, one of those, those characteristic traits. And I'm, I'm going to focus on it. Uh, I'm going to be patient. And, uh, you know, and, and I'm going through all of them. And remember, different people would, would ride with me and be like, you know, why do you have that there? And so I would explain it to them. But you know what I, what I didn't really look at a lot was the verses that came before it. The verses that come before it talk about who you and I are outside of the Spirit. And it talks about our selfishness. It talks about the choices we choose to make and different things like that. But again, this is not to say these are, this is who I am. But these are the choices I make. But my choices have consequences. And our choices separate us, there can be, there's that separation from God. But here's the deal. He loves each one of us in this room so much, regardless of your age, regardless of your background, regardless of your gender, regardless of how long you've been coming to church. He loves you so much. How much does he love you that he gave his one and only son? Why? That you would not need to be destroyed. He wanted to pay that penalty. That just by believing in him, you can have a whole and lasting life. But man, he did not just go through that trouble just to have his son come and point his finger. He came to put the world right again, to save us from ourselves. So I look at it in the words I use. You know, God's like a counselor. Why the cross? Because he's restored relationship. I won't have you raise your hand on this, but maybe you've been to counseling for your marriage or maybe another relationship. Uh, maybe something that happened in your past. But you know, God is the best counselor. 
and he, and he does, why, why do we go to counseling? Because we want to break through something. And we want to get back to the way we, we want to we break through it. So if there's a division between my wife and I and we go to counseling, we're going at first because we want the person to tell the other one what to do, okay? But after that first, second, maybe fifth visit, we start to, you know, Lord, we want to we reconnect. We want to reconnect with one another. And so through the cross, there was a separation. You know, in the Old Testament, the, uh, you and I, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be around in the presence of God. There was a select few that would do that. You know, one of the amazing things that took place, it's actually one of my favorite things. And, you know, uh, well, I don't want to get in a rating system here because I might get in trouble. But it's one of my things that I think is the most beautiful of Jesus dying on the cross was that the veil was torn. And why that's so impactful to me is because it was God saying, I want you to have relationship with me. I want you to know that my front door is always open. There's not a secret code you have to enter. There's not a certain attire you have to put on. There's not only a certain time of year where you get to come visit. It's not only on certain holidays. I'm tearing it open because son, daughter, I want you to run in. I want you to hang out with me. I want you to know my door is always open for you to come on in. You know, we talk about him being our, our, our rescuer, and he did. You and I have been in some pretty nasty car wrecks. We've been in some pretty bad fires where we're trapped. We've been in some bad earthquakes where things crumbled around us and we weren't going to survive. And he came in and he rescued us from that. But he also paid the penalty. And a lot of times, at least in my mind, I, I tend to think of God, Jesus on the cross and I think of uh, uh, the lifesaver part, the rescuer. He rescued me. I can forget, though, that he was restoring me back to, to God, to the Father. So that I could have that constant communication. And sometimes I forget because I don't want to think about what my actions are and the penalty that goes with them. But that he paid the penalty for me. And what I did. So who needs the cross? It's kind of a rhetorical question, isn't it? Yeah, A little bit. Um, my son, if Aiden was in here, I don't think he is, he's in the elementary, he would probably say I was being a little passive-aggressive in asking that question. We all do. We all really, really, really need the cross. You know, and it doesn't matter how old we are. There doesn't come a point. And I think this is the thing that I hope we get. One, if you're in here and you've never... You've never accepted, as this says right here, so that no one need to be destroyed. You've never actually said, Jesus, I believe in you. I want to make you the leader of my life. I want to surrender my life to you. I want you to know you need the cross. That veil is open for you to come running in. 
But if you're here and you've done that before, and in worship team, you guys can come back up, and you've done that before, then I think sometimes we can, we can get a little beyond it, and it becomes old. It does become just, we're used to seeing it in a church. We're used to people wearing it on their necklace. We see it tattooed on their arm. But we forget how much we still need it. And so it doesn't matter about your age. You know, the Bible actually talks about little children and that we need to be like little children. What's it referring to? It's referring to us being vulnerable. It's referring to us having a trust. Uh, the inability to advance and to move things forward without help. It's us being surrendered. But how easy it is as we grow older to become self-reliant again. We have that initial submission to Jesus and we say, Jesus, take the wheel. Maybe you have a panic moment where, where man, life is just falling apart. And so you're crying out to God, God, I, I, I just need you to come into my life and I need you to help me in this situation. And you, and you let go and then pretty soon you're kind of inching your way back into the driver's seat, you know, and, and starting to, sorry, a little, you don't like that little shake there, Kyle. <laughs> but it doesn't matter about age. No matter how young we are, how old we are, every single one of us needs to cross. Doesn't matter about spiritual maturity. You know, you can have a lot of miraculous things that took place in your life. You could teach the Bible like no other. You could sing worship songs like no other. But if you're not submitted to the cross, if you don't see yourself in light of the cross, it's missing something. I tell you what, the people I respect the most in my life are the people that are constantly humbled before the cross in their life. It's not the ones who are achieving things. They can post, I did this, I prayed with this person for this, and, and I, man, I memorized this, and I, I, I wrote this, and I preached this. No, it's the person where you can see in their life that they're humble before the cross. Not thinking that they're worthless, not beating ourselves down, but saying, Jesus, who am I in light of you? God, what are you rescuing me from? What have you saved me from? It keeps us humble. It keeps us dependent on him. You know, Bob, uh, let's see how little, I guess it's not that little. He had this... Uh, In my mind, he was a little corny. Um, don't tell him I said that. <clears throat> I don't think he's going to listen to my message anyway, so I think I'm safe. <laughs> he had this idea of this piece of jewelry, and he put it on. But you know, the idea was this. If I wore this around, it would be pretty darn obvious. People would be like, man, I don't know why, but he's into the cross. Don't, you know... They, There'd be, it's an obvious statement, okay? It'd be obvious if I just walked around with this thing on. But the, the question, the, what it represents is, does our life reflect the cross like that? And it should. Man, the way I deal with my wife 
should reflect the cross. The way I parent my kids should reflect the cross. That I would father them in the way that God fathers me. But as soon as I step away from the cross, I start fathering them in my own strength. I start fathering them in my own frustration that I have to deal with this one more time. Why don't you stop it? Why don't I stop it? You know? With you guys. I want to love you through the cross as Jesus does. As soon as I step away from that, I treat you out of my own strength. So will you stand to your feet? I'm sorry if the chandelier was shaken. Here's my prayer, my hope. I don't know exactly where you're at. I don't know, you know, uh, what's going on in your life. My hope, though, for every single one of us in this room, that we stay submitted to the cross. And that we don't, it doesn't become something we get callous to. You know, Keith Green wrote a song, Oh Lord, You're Beautiful. First time he played the song, he, he shared about how he, he was up around midnight and he started writing this, this letter to God. And he stayed up until about two in the morning writing the song. But his cry was, God, I've grown callous. My heart's callous. What was he talking about? He's talking about how it, 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 it just kind of became mundane. He's kind of going through the motions. And he's saying, he, he uses the words, Lord, I want to have baby skin again. I don't know how many of you have had a baby. But it's soft skin. It sounds a little weird, but... You know, something happens in life where my skin gets a little rougher. Starts getting more marks on it. It gets callous. My elbows, you know, it's like you gotta lotion them up because it's like a snake. You know, a baby's not born with an elbow like that. But that happens inside of us too. Where we can get a little callous. And so no matter who, who we are, what titles we have, what educations we have, what good or bad things we've done in our life, that we stay submitted to the cross and see ourselves in light of it. And we come to a humility in knowing what Christ did for us. But we also receive the gift of grace and we rise up and we know that in our weakness, he is strong. So this is what we're going to do. We got uh, tables in the back for communion. And uh, hear me on this. The ushers are not. They will not release you row by row. I am not going to tell you when to drink it and when to eat it. So we're going to go back into worship. And I just ask that you remember that the veil is open. God the Father. He sent his only son to pay a price so that you could walk through that veil this morning. Whether for the very first time or whether it's the millionth time you've done it. It's still just as important. And what I want to invite you to do is walk through the veil. 
Go and receive, take that communion and remember that he did it for you. So Lord, we just submit this time to you. God, we want to fully embrace the cross. We don't want it just to be a piece of jewelry. We don't want it to be something on a wall. We don't want it to be a a picture in our living room. God, we don't even want it to just be something that we kneel before when we're desperate. God, that it would be part of our daily life and that everyone around us would be able to see it on us. When we're talking about politics, when we're talking about our boss, when we're talking about our extended family, when we're talking about the neighbor that maybe we don't like that much, when we're talking about our teacher, when we're talking about the kid that sits next to us in the classroom, when we're irritated with the driver driving partially in our lane, Lord, that people would see the cross because it is such a part of our life. In Jesus' name, amen.